0: Welcome to the perineum between Christmas and New Year, that gloaming where people tend to sleep off their gluttony of the holiday period and enjoy a well-earned break from reality, but for me, is, ironically, the busiest time of the year. If you were someone who didn't indulge over the Christmas period, then... I wholeheartedly salute you and your iron will, and I would like to take this opportunity to remind you that when you conquer the world, I will be useful in rounding up others to toil in your underground willpower mines. Well, this reporter was possibly a little hasty earlier we would like to reaffirm his allegiance to this country and its human president. But if you're like most of us, perhaps you had a bit too much to eat at Christmas time, and that's fine. That's better than fine. That's what life is all about. Even the Buddha said, moderation in all things, even moderation. And you can't argue with the Buddha. Presents are material goods, and attachment to material goods kills the soul. I'm not going to jail again. But just in case you are feeling a little bit guilty about your Christmas gluttony, even though you shouldn't, just in case you are, This is a little show about one of the weirdest people in history. Terre, the man who ate everything. This is going to be a bit of a blitz show. I know people in the Northern Hemisphere are going through one of their worst winters ever, and it sucks to be you guys, but in Sydney, we just hit the height of summer and it is hot. Real hot. I'm not complaining about that. I love the heat like a baby spider. But something you might not immediately think of is that I can't have any kind of fan running when I record this show, because then all you would hear is a fan. So for the entire time of recording, I'll just be raw-dogging Summer, and I tend to get a bit performative when I do these things, so it works up quite the sweat. Which means that I'll try and crank out this show as quickly as possible before I start getting heatstroke. It wouldn't be the first time. I think it was the Hitler show that I started getting lightheaded recording. Anyway, this is eating into valuable time for this show about eating, so let's kick on. Here is the utterly fascinating tale of Terre. And another quick aside before we begin. I honestly did not know that Simon Whistler just recently put out a video on this very topic, and I just found out, and now I have the shits, because I'm the one who's going to look derivative in this situation. I try to steer away from topics that you can find elsewhere and do my own thing, but Whistler has about 900 different channels and I just can't keep track of all of them. So anyway, we're all going to have to pretend that I got to market first. Sweet. The story of Terre starts somewhere around Lyon in France, somewhere around the year 1772. We don't know anything more concrete about this because Terer was born a peasant, and peasants were not known for their rigid documentation back in the day. Hell, we don't even know if Terer's name was actually Terer, or if it was some kind of nickname. All we know is that he was born somewhere around 1772, somewhere in France. And Terre was most likely a nickname, and not his actual name, since there was a popular phrase amongst French soldiers at the time that went, bom terre," which was used to describe cannon fire, and may have been a reference to the person Terrer's famously profound flatulence, bom terre In this regard, the more poetic translation would be something more like, Oh Lord, he coming! We don't know a lot about Terer's upbringing because he was a peasant, but what we do know is that from a very early age, it was readily apparent that Terer was some kind of mutant. This dude was not entirely human. In fact, an argument could be made that this guy wasn't even halfway human, and maybe fairy tales had more than a grain of truth to them back in the day, because Terer was either some kind of ghoul, or a troll, or a frog monster, or a frog ghoul, or some combination of the above. Whatever he was, he was not entirely human. He had an unusually wide face with utterly massive cheeks. A trick that Terer would often perform would be to hold a dozen eggs in his cheeks, six on each side. He had no visible lips, he had overly large eyes, he was incredibly thin, almost emaciated, which is weird because Terer ate constantly. I mean, constantly. He never stopped eating. Ever. He spent his entire life famished. When I say that Terea was skinny verging on emaciated, this was true most of the time. Except for when he ate. Because Terea ate so much that he literally distended. Like a snake, he would begin to bloat and swell with the sheer volume of food that he ate. So his skin began to stretch and stretch, and by the time that Terea was a teenager, he had so much loose skin that he could, and did, gather it up and tie it around his waist like a sash. This was another one of his creepy party tricks, along with the egg thing. By the time of his early teens, terre was eating a quarter of a cow in a single sitting. I'm not exaggerating for effect here, that was a sitting for terre a quarter of an entire cow. And I don't mean he took a cut of steak off the cow, or even that he ate the freaky bits of the cow, like the liver or the heart. I mean, he would eat a quarter of the cow. Everything except the bones. It needs to be noted that a quarter of a cow weighs about 40 kilograms. Rare, at this point, he also weighed about 40 kilograms. This dude was eating his entire body weight every single day, like a hummingbird. Oh yes, it was horrible, I tell you. By the end I thought I was a hummingbird of some kind. And weirdly, he didn't put on weight. He was skinny. Except for when he was digesting the truly enormous amount of food that he ate in any one particular sitting. And here's as good a time as any to describe what happened when Tereh ate in a single sitting, because oh boy, here comes an adventure. So I need you to imagine someone super skinny like starving African child level of skinny. Just rescued from a Japanese prisoner of war camp in Singapore kind of skinny. But with enormous folds of loose skin everywhere, like a sugar glider, and a creepy, wide mouth like a frog. That's what Terea looked like normally. But then Terea would begin to eat. When he ate, he would begin to sweat profusely, just dripping with sweat pools of sweat, and this sweat stank. A nineteenth century medical journal documenting Terra described the smell as, quote to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of twenty paces. End quote. So this guy reeked of absolute death from at least fifteen meters away. Apparently this smell, which was already the worst thing you ever smelled, got even worse when he began to eat and digest. His eyes would become bloodshot, and there are some accounts which describe Terer as weeping blood when he ate. Then, and this is the freakiest bit, as he ate, he displayed, again quoting, a visible vapor would rise from his body. So this guy is bleeding from the eyes and emitting mist as he eats a quarter of a cow. As you might expect, Terere suffered from chronic diarrhea, which, again, quoting the same medical report, quote, was fetid beyond conception. And I think we should meditate on that quote for a little bit, fetid beyond conception. Because as human beings, we can conceive of quite a bit. We're an imaginative and creative species. We can conceptualize all manner of fecundity. And apparently, what this dude shat out was beyond even that. Kind of like staring into the deadlights of Mr. Pennywise. To reiterate, Terer stank even by the standards of an 18th century peasant. So little teenage Terer is eating his own body weight every day and spraying gallon upon gallon of fetid diarrhea through the French countryside roughly every six hours. So his parents kicked him out of the house before he turned 16. And I usually side with the child in these cases and say something like, oh, how dare the parents, and then express my umbrage. But I think this is one of those rare cases in history where they were well within their rights to do this. When you're a 17th century poor peasant and your child is eating enough for 10 men every day, that's a fair enough call. So what is a French peasant... Kicked out of home due to his freakish nature, what is a French peasant to do in this day and age? Well, everyone who said, join a travelling freak show, give yourself a pat on the back. Therese's shtick was that he was a true geek. As in a person who would eat absolutely anything and everything. And oh boy, did this dude eat anything. He made his money by standing on a soapbox and eating whatever the crowd threw at him. Rotten food, awful loose change, cutlery, stones, bricks. In one instance, he even ate a live eel without even chewing it. Just gulping down random items one after the other until he began to bloat and swell and he looked exactly like a frog. Oh, and quick side note. Have you guys ever seen the skeleton of an eel? It's like a snake made of knives. Eating an entire eel whole cannot have been a pleasant experience. You can't consume an eel without chewing it, without some sort of knives digging into your stomach. It has to be unpleasant. But that's what he did. He ate an entire live eel, along with everything else. We have a myth here in Australia about the great frog titlick which is a reference that fits perfectly if you get it, and it is most unfortunate if you don't, because this dude was a real-life Tiddalik the Frog. He actually existed. And that's how he made his money. The dude would just stand on a soapbox with a hat out the front of him, like a street busker, just eating whatever people threw at him. And of course, the crowd that gathered would then clear out before the literal tsunami of shit that followed every performance, which, once again, stank even by 17th century standards. Except in one instance when the shitstorm didn't arrive on schedule. That time, Toureux doubled over in pain and fell into unconsciousness because the pawn's shop worth of random crap that he'd just consumed had lodged in his lower intestine. I guess that's a hazard of the business. Fortunately, Terre was so popular with the crowd that they carried him to the closest hospital, which can't have been easy because at this point the guy was a hundred kilo sack of knickknacks. The records indicate that they flushed the obstruction out of his intestines by administering quote, a powerful laxative, end quote, but the records don't go into detail beyond that, which I think is probably for the best. We'll leave that to the imagination. Terre made a full recovery and then went back to eating the entire planet. He thanked the surgeon who treated him and then offered to demonstrate his talent by eating that surgeon's watch, to which the surgeon responded that if Terre were to continue with that line of thinking, then he would be retrieving said watch with a scalpel, and Terre cheerfully withdrew his offer. So we're going to fast forward to the year 1792. It's been rough going for Terre because normal people were struggling to get enough to eat in this day and age, and Terer literally could not sate his appetite no matter how much he ate, and there was no limit to how much he could eat. Like Tantalus before him, he was cursed by some cosmic entity that no matter how much he consumed, he would forever always be hungry. But you know who always gets fed? Soldiers. That's one of their main recruitment features, the food. And wouldn't you know it, the War of the First Coalition has just broken out, which is one of the dozens of times when Europe has gone to war with itself for stupid reasons. So France needs fresh bodies to throw into the meat grinder of war, and Terer sees someone who can foot his considerable food bill, so he joins the army. But Terer, he can never be satisfied. No matter how much he eats, he's always hungry. He now has more food than he's ever had in his entire life, but he is still hungry. So he begins to do chores for other soldiers in exchange for their rations, but he's still hungry. He begins to become exhausted because his body can't absorb enough calories and because he never has any rest because he's always doing overtime to try and get more food. So the army quadruples his rations and Terer is still hungry. So Terer begins to go feral. He creeps into the medical tents and begins to consume the medical supplies because they're vaguely food-shaped. He scavenges the corpses of animals the army has come across on the road. He even raids the latrines, which is about as far as I'll explore that. Eventually, he is doing enough of what is quite literally ghoulish behavior that people start to take notice, in particular the officers and the doctors of the French Revolutionary Army. And that's when they realize that they have a genuine freak on their hands, and there is nothing that excites the people of science more than a genuine freak. In particular, one Dr. Corville of the 9th Hussar Regiment, and Dr. Pierre-Francois Percy, the Surgeon-in-Chief of the Army, decide to fuck around and find out in regards to this eating machine that they've just discovered. And this is when the 18th century science kicks in. Ethics? What the fuck are ethics? So Corville and Percy decide to test if there's an upper limit to how much Terea can eat. Spoiler alert, there isn't. As luck would have it, there was a meal being prepared for a group of 15 labourers who had been working on the military hospital at the time. But fuck those guys, there's science to be done, so their meal was donated to the cause. Terea was brought into the room where a meal for 15 people was laid out in front of him. Terer ate all of it, every last crumb. He licked the plates clean. Among other things reported, he consumed two large meat pies, multiple plates of lard, an entire container of salt, and four gallons of milk. That is 18 liters of milk for the modern listener. Milk was a bad choice. Dr. Corville noted that Therese's stomach inflated like a balloon, which passed for medical documentation back in those days. So Therese eats a lot of food. We've ascertained that. But that's not science, is it? People eat. That's what they do. Let's see if Therese eats things that aren't food. And if you're a squeamish listener, you might want to fast forward for about a minute or so. These doctors gave Therese a live cat. He ate it. He tore out its throat, drained it of all of its blood, drank that blood, and then ate the entire cat. Everything except for the bones. He would later vomit up the skin and fur, but the rest of the cat he ate. Now what follows is a menagerie of animals to see where Terer draws the line. Spoiler alert again, he doesn't. Like some geek version of Noah, Tereh eats every single animal placed in front of him. Puppies, lizards, insects, spiders, it doesn't matter. He eats anything and everything. According to Terra himself, he developed a particular fondness for raw snake meat. Yummy. So that's where the science happened. For everyone who skipped ahead, welcome back. Absolutely nothing happened involving cats. You can take my word for that. Eventually, the higher-ups of the military began to get antsy. They were giving one of their soldiers four times the rations of everyone else, and all he did was eat and shit all day, which is all well and good for science, but it's not exactly winning the war for us, is it? And it's at this point that Dr. Corville suggests that Terer's unique abilities might be repurposed for the military. Specifically, that Terer might be used as a courier of top-secret documents. So Dr. Corville, in conjunction with General Alexander de Bohane, put a document inside a lockbox, and then they said to Terer, hey, if you eat this box for us, we'll give you 14 kilograms of raw bull lungs to eat. How does that sound? Terer ate the box, and two days later it was fished out of his excrement, with the documents perfectly intact. And Turre was dutifully rewarded with his wheelbarrow full of random cow parts to eat and wolf it down he did. And that's the story of how Turre became an official spy of the Army of the Rhine. Now, Turre had just proven his ability to act as the world's most foul-smelling, sentient envelope, but French High Command were not sure of his mental faculties. And that's a fair call because while Terer never in his life showed any signs of mental illness per se, these people had just seen him wolf down 14 kilograms of raw bull lungs. You're gonna question someone's sanity. General de Beauharnais didn't doubt Terer's ability to consume and then later shit out an intact communique, but he did strongly doubt whether this foul-smelling, illiterate peasant hobgoblin was capable of adequate spycraft. So on his first mission, it wasn't really a mission, but more of a proof of concept. Terer was given a lockbox with important documents to swallow, and was then told to deliver them to a French officer who had been captured by the Prussians. Terer was told that these documents were of vital importance to the war effort, but in actuality the letter simply said something along the lines of, we are currently testing out our new mutant communication network, Please let us know if this letter actually reaches you. But Terer didn't know that, and he thought that he was a super spy. So he swallows the lockbox, washes it down with a live puppy, and jaunts off to the Prussian front lines where he is immediately captured by Prussian forces because A, he didn't speak German, and B, he drew attention to himself because he was caught eating a live chicken. Turet was suspected of being a spy, which was a fair call because he was in fact a spy, and he was strip-searched for documents. And I know war is hell, but spare a moment for the poor Prussian soldier who had to get close to that smell. When no documents were found, Turet was beaten by Prussian forces because that was the extent of interrogation back in the 1700s. Turet, to his credit, refused to give up his mission. So the Prussians upped the ante and performed a mock execution of Terre, hoisting him up to some gallows and placing a noose on his neck, at which point Terre finally broke and told them the whole plan. Now, the Prussians, they didn't really have a procedure to deal with this, because how the fuck do you even plan for someone who is hiding documents in their collar? So they just chained Terre to a latrine and let nature take its course, which it did rather swiftly because, if nothing else, Terer was quite regular. And here's the point where I struggle to tell the story. Somehow, during this epic bowel movement, Terer managed to distract his Prussian guards for long enough that he was able to locate and, um... uh, (coughs) ...re-ingest the lockbox with the documents. So, finding no saucy documents, the Prussians wished to be rid of this foul-smelling secret agent. So, they gave him another beating for good measure, and dumped Tourer back on the French lines, where he was then taken back to a military hospital. When he got there, he begged the doctors to find a cure for his condition. And to their credit, Dr. Percy did try to help him, but this was the late 1700s, so most medicine boiled down to different variations of opium and nothing was really accomplished. Opium famously backs you up. Doctors placed Terer on a strict diet, but this failed because there has never in history been someone who craves food to the extent that Terre did. He would sneak out of his hospital room at night and scavenge local butcher's shops eating the offal that they left as waste. If Terea couldn't escape from his hospital room on a given night, he would capture and consume live rats and pigeons. To quote Dr. Percy here, quote, The dogs and cats fled in terror at his aspect, as if they had anticipated the kind of fate that he was preparing for them. End quote. My dude, you are the one that fed him his first live cat. This is all your fault. So in this period, you'll probably know that one of the big medical treatments of this time was bloodletting. George Washington actually died from it. The prevailing medical theory was that you actually have too much blood in you, so they tried to get rid of it. And it didn't work, and that's why we don't do it anymore, because it's stupid. But back then, that was the done thing in medical circles. So what would happen was Terer would wander down to where patients were having their blood drawn and just sort of... Crouched down and positioned himself under the drip tray, allowing people's blood to drain directly into his mouth until he was chased off by orderlies. On more than one occasion, he was kicked out of the morgue. Take a guess why. The final straw for terre was when a 14-month-old baby went missing from the hospital. Terre never admitted what happened, but he never denied it either and this resulted in Terre being chased out by a lynch mob, and he spent the next few years of his life living on the streets. Four years later, in 1798, Terer turned up once again on Dr. Percy's doorstep. What had transpired in those years is unknown. It is presumed that he either returned to street performing, or he just went fully feral. But in 1798, delirious and unable to move under his own power... Terea stumbled on Dr. Percy's doorstep, and he told Percy that he believed he had suffered from another intestinal blockage after consuming a solid gold fork. But what was later determined was that Terre was suffering from advanced tuberculosis and died a few days later. Ironically, he passed away from consumption. During his autopsy, doctors found that they could pull Terre's jaws back like a snake, and his throat was so wide that they could see all the way down into his stomach. His liver and gallbladder were equally engorged. And that's as far as the autopsy went, because the sheer stench of the body forced the surgeons to abandon the autopsy and just leave Terre to be buried. His scientific secrets lost forever to time we still do not know what caused Terre to be like he was. Conventional wisdom would point to an extreme form of hypothyroidism, which can make one constantly hungry and unable to put on weight, and this would be the most extreme case in history. There has never been another case just like Terre's in the documented history of medicine going back to time immemorial. The medical historian Jan Bondensen speculates that Terer's amygdala was uniquely damaged, causing him to be unable to register satiation and triggering extreme porophagia. But, ultimately, we'll never know. We'll never quite understand why this guy could eat absolutely anything and everything and still be perpetually hungry. And that's the story of the being we know only as Terer, the man who could, and did, eat everything. Cursed, like the fallen kings of old, to eat until he burst, and never know satiation. So if you had a bit too much to eat over the Christmas period and feel like a little bit of a glutton, then just remember rare. Welcome to the world of relative privation. It could be a whole lot worse. Happy New Year, everyone.